knows you're screwed. God is filling with adrenaline right now. Whether you know it or not, the heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run. But your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. And do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting the danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution. Revolution. Radio. <laughs> and welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we all call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical. UFOs to unicorns, and of course, everything in between. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. <laughs> Tonight, we have a cool lady, uh, an amazing, talented individual who also happens to be a good friend, and her name is Cynthia Jordan. She burst on the scene in 1983. Well, she was here before, but she didn't burst. Um, when she became Billboard's country music song, when she wrote Jose Cuervo, Country Music Song of the Year. And in 1997, she signed a record contract with Page Music to produce and compose 11 CDs of ambient piano music. By 2000, she had over 5 million downloads of her music worldwide. She's a consummate musician and communicator, a classically trained pianist, a singer, a performer, and on top of being philanthropically oriented for causes that touch your heart, she is also a published author and here tonight to share with us the latest addition to her gem series, Ruby. I've read all three of the books. They are all phenomenal. They all deal with um, the first two, Pearl and Diamond. They, they spoke, uh, they took place in the late 1800s and early 1900s and bring us to a greater understanding of those times and how very far we have gone, especially for women. And if you want to see a spectacular website, her website is CynthiaProductions.com. Deb will put it in the um, chat room for you. And welcome, Cynthia. It's so good to have you back again. Thank you, Barbara. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Well, always, you are a joy to have on the show. It's always an adventure because I never know where we're going to go. Um, <laughs> but one of the coolest things... Um, I, you know, that, that I am 
not envious of, but in it, I admire so greatly about you is, is your writing, which, you know, and I loved Jose Cuervo. You had me at Jose Cuervo, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I think you and I met, um, almost a decade ago on, yes. uh, walks with thunders program. And, and I, I do remember it was so cool to talk to you then. And, and we've been, um, back and forthing ever since then. You're a good friend who I've never met. Right. So, <laughs> you met my son. I have. I, I've, yes. I've had the, the honor and, and the joy of, of, you know, spending time with your son. Um, but, but I think the thing that, that fascinates me the most is, and of course, being a musician, you have that ability to sort of tune in, zone out, and allow spirit to guide you through things, which, which I, I truly believe enhanced your ability um, in, in the writing of the series that you're writing. And, and you want to explain kind of how this, this series started and, and what its main focus actually is. You know, you just hit spot on because I was having this conversation not too long ago with a woman and talking about the creative process itself. When you talk to people who write, authors, songs, music. There are some people that write from this plane, but then there's those of us that believe, as Einstein did, that there's really no such thing as time. So if that's the case, then the story's already been written and the music's already been written. And so what happens is there's kind of this little portal that you learn how to open and then you go into the land of make-believe, the land of infinite possibilities, the blank canvas that anything can go on, the silence that any sound can be made. And so when I sit down to write these books, especially Ruby, I allowed the story to come through me. Now, a lot of people, they will write their outline, you know, how it's supposed to go, that type of thing. Structurally, that is a little inhibiting to me. Mm-hmm. I had one, one idea, and, actually, and that was that a mother was going to leave her daughter a journal and a ruby necklace. And both of them had an impeccable story. What that story was, I wasn't clear on. That's all I had. (laughs) (laughs) And so here we are 90,000 words later. (laughs) Well, it's it's amazing because, first of all, I mean, you have written books before. These are not the first three books that you've written. There are more books on on your website. Right. But, But... this one, this has a special, this series to me has a really special um, message behind it because the very first book, Pearl, um, spoke on, on women's issues in the, in the um, late 1800s, early 1900s, and, and, and how women who, who had no support were forced upon 
it, it, it was forced upon them to find ways to support themselves, and so they did. And and the best, well, one of the best professions to go into, at least the highest earning, was was that of prostitution. So your first book, Pearl, speaks of 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 a woman who who was well educated, had great integrity, had had you know she she was she was just so well educated it was amazing she was actually a librarian um but but she she fell in love and lost her virginity and because of that she was forced into a side of life that she had never considered before and she took the high road everywhere she went and and you began you began to get a great deal of respect for these women who made the best of the situation and and because there was nothing else open to them they went to where they could make money and and pearl of course um created a high a high class uh brothel um and and her story and and the first the first book pearl spoke to the how how each of the ladies um came to to be in that position and their stories as to how there was just nothing out there for them. They had they were they were ruined. They couldn't function in high society or even middle society. Um, and and it was it was amazing. The the characters came to life, <laughs> and right. and it was and you know you speak off you have spoken often as to how they they literally wrote their own stories. You didn't have to write them. And I think that that as as you know, I, I do a little bit of writing too. And it it's for those who, who aren't familiar with this kind of channeling it, you, you literally watch the story unfold in front of your eyes. You're, you're not thinking it, maneuvering it or making it happen. You allow it to grow. And That's the perfect word You allow it. it right. And, and I mean, I loved Pearl. I adored Diamond and, and Emerald, I mean, again, not, not someone that it spoke to women's play and, and, and all of the books speak to women's plight through history. Yes. Yes. It, it was, I like to go over, I know I've said this before on your show, but for people who are just listening for the first time with me, hi everyone. And uh, the way that Pearl happened initially was I had been thinking about that industry, about prostitution. And here in San Angelo, Texas, there, is, there are two tourist attractions. One of them is the Old Fort Concho, which was built right after the Civil War to protect people coming out west from uh, Indian raids. And then the other is a brothel downtown. For $5, you can take the tour of Miss Hattie's Bordello. And at one time, San Angelo was known as the naughty little city, right? So there's this kind of tongue-in-cheek thing here, but... When you come to San Angelo, you really do get kind of a feel of the Old West because it's the biggest city in the United States that is not close to an interstate. So it's kind of isolated in the middle of Texas. And 
so it's you don't have the big city influ- influence all around it. So I had been performing down at at the local saloon, got myself a saloon costume, was writing some fun saloon songs, and also working on a kids' project, a children's project. And so I was pretty focused on that. But I kept kind of hearing this little thing in my head, tell them why we did it. We weren't bad people type thing, right? Like we didn't, we weren't bad people. We, we were trying to survive that kind of thing. So I would kind of hear that sort of dialogue in my head from wherever, you know, and it was there and I'd pass it off as just, oh, you know, that's a thought. But there was this one morning when I woke up and that time as you're searching for the coffee, <laughs> you've just come out of your sleep. You're in semi-theta zone, right? You, mm-hmm. Nothing nothing has really come into your head yet. You know the day is about ready to start. And all of a sudden, I heard in my head, tell them why we didn't. We weren't bad people. And it was like, I was kind of like, what? And then it just got louder and louder and louder, almost as if whoever or whatever was trying to relay this message to me, that there was a, a mass of, of them saying, she can hear us, she can hear us, right? Call it my imagination. Uh, psychics would probably say, nope, you're a psychic. Uh, mediums would say, nope, you heard them. And because you're one and my friends are, you know, <laughs> that are mediums also, nope, they got through to you. And so I, I kind of said, okay, I'm listening. I can hear you. I kind of, so there's this conversation going on in my head, right? And uh-huh. uh, so I kind of wandered over to the piano because that's the way I access that portal uh, of channeling. That's you. You used a really, really good word there. It's, it, it's really what it is. You're kind of you're a conduit. You're bringing something to this this plane, right? Right. And and so, I'm sitting at the piano because that's where I open my little portal. And by the way, Einstein used his violin. I used mm-hmm. the piano, and I. By the time I got to the piano, I had the words, if you could wear my slippers for just one day, you'd understand why I'm nice to the men and I make my living this way. So I felt like there were three women and they were standing behind me. And one said, I said, why did you do it? I, there was this conversation in my head. And one said, I was a widow and I had a child I needed to take care of. And another one said, I was an orphan. And the other one said, I ran away from home with a man who dumped me in the middle of nowhere, and I was too ashamed to go back home. And I had Annabelle, Redbird, and Betsy. Uh-huh. And those that's how it started. And so I thought, well, I'll write about five girls. Well, then another one popped up, and then another one popped up. And so what would happen is when I would sit down to write, it was almost like there were categories of girls, right? 
this uh-huh. ca- this category were girls that were abused. This category were children who'd been abandoned or girls had been abandoned. This category was uh, girls that made bad decisions, right? And and in each category, there were thousands of women who stood behind each one of those categories. And I ended up with 10 categories of how women might end up at Miss Pearl's parlor. Uh-huh. And and each one of them was better off at Miss Pearl's parlor than they were in life. So what was ever going in their life, they came to Miss Pearl's parlor. Now Miss Pearl insisted on them being ladies, being a lady. And in this day and age, what a message that is to be the beauty of being a lady, the beauty of our feminine gender, our sacred feminine, our our power as feminine, and not getting nasty and dirty and cussing and you know expressing ourselves in vile ways, but to be elegant and graceful and like the goddess, you know, just uh, <laughs> being being that. And that's what Pearl insisted on with her girls. And she learned that trade. That's the fiction. Pearl is fiction, but the Everlay sisters are not fiction. And I learned everything I needed to know about when I learned about the Everlay sisters, I went, Oh my gosh, these women made millions of dollars by insisting that their girls be ladies and educated and clean and encourage them not to have intercourse, which I thought, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So it completely intrigued me in understanding human nature because what they did by not being intimate but being creative, right? They had uh-huh. 12 they had 12 parlors at the Everlay house and each one was decorated with different themes, you know, and it was like a little playful fantasy thing and the girls were talented and they were creative, but they still were able to maintain that mystique by not allowing uh, anyone to invade them in their sacred, what I'd call their sacred spot, you know, Uh the, the place where, Life is procreated and life um, begins with a new baby. So that which is sacred, ladies, that's sacred. And in this day and age, the other thing of how how many girls would say, yes, that's sacred. No, it, we've so lost that, so lost that. And uh, that's the message of Pearl is the importance of maintaining your sacred feminine, your grace, your elegance, your power. Because when it all boils down to it, we own 80% of the world's assets, the women do. It's owned by women. We outlive men. We have more property, more um, than most men, right? And in in today's day. And to... So... I just think there's a strong message there, but also understanding the the uh, history of women, 
how far we've come and how strong we are because we tolerated so much, right? Um, there's a great line in the Greek wedding where she says, the, um, the father is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck, right? She's the one <laughs> who controls the head. I like that. <laughs> and that was such a great line out of that, that movie. But she didn't, she, by allowing the man to be the master of the house, I guess you could say, but really understanding that they were the heart and the strength of the house, mm-hmm. right? Because a master is really just a title. The master is only as good as the, their slaves or, or as good as uh, those that serve the master, right? Exactly, yeah. So the master, so, so clever women, uh, you know, they allowed the men to believe they were the master, but they were really the ones who, who ran everything because the master needed them. Because without well, them, they they weren't <laughs> the master. <laughs> well, and and during the times, especially of Pearl, women couldn't own property. Women, right. I mean, there were very few occupations open for women. Um, so so that so that you know, when turned loose on their own, they had very few choices. Well, um, not not only that, but the only way, if you were an entrepreneur, to become a millionaire was this industry. That was oh, the, yeah. only, the, only, the only way, if you were a female entrepreneur, this was the only way, unless you inherited um, your father's business or, you know, your family business, mm-hmm. maybe. But even then, you had to be married and your husband was really in charge, right? So, Oh, yeah, uh, and it, it stretched forward into when I was in college in the 60s, right. there were... There were Few occupa- <clears throat> excuse me, few occupations that, that were acceptable. You could be a teacher, you could be a secretary, or strangely enough, an airline hostess. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the three jobs you literally had mm-hmm. to choose from. Right. And right. and and that, that just goes that that's in the sixties. Now we're talking in the eighteen hundreds with Pearl. Right. Well, actually, and it kind of seeps into the early 20s, which was when things really began to change, mm-hmm. was in the 20s. Uh, that's when girls went wild. You think girls went wild in Florida? You think that <laughs> they hold nothing to the flapper? <laughs> well, no, this is true. So, so, <clears throat> so, so Pearl was the first book. Right. And and I loved the way you told their stories. I loved the way you followed them when they left Pearls or, or stayed, whichever. Mm-hmm. And and um the, the the characters were just amazing. And so then the next book was Diamond. And Diamond right. was one of the girls that that went to Hollywood. So you followed her to Hollywood in the twenties. Right. And that was I was born and raised in Southern California. I grew up in Redondo Beach. And Redondo Beach was the resort for, a beach resort for Hollywood. It was only 16 miles on the red car to go to Redondo Beach. And then my grandfather was the equestrian at Universal City or Studios. And my father's birth certificate actually says Universal Studios because 
he was born on the lots there where my grandfather took care of horses for silent movies. And that was his job. Mm-hmm. And so I had the good fortune a friend brought over a book of early Hollywood and I got some great insight to Universal Studios, which by the way, back in those days, they also had Universal Studio tours. That whole concept started back then. And that was just a really interesting because interesting book to read because I do so much heavy, heavy research when I do these books. And I was fascinated with what I what never ceases to amaze me, Barbara, is that there are those things that change and those things that don't change. And mm-hmm. and that is the one thread that goes through all of these books are human nature at its basic level never really changes but the cultures do the times do the inventions do the you know all of the dress does that type of thing mm-hmm. but but basic human nature never does change and you know especially with our political climate and everything that's going on right now the importance of holding the the female holding her strength, holding her power, holding her elegance and grace. I mean, really, look at Princess Diana. I mean, every the world loved Princess Diana. She was so gracious, so kind, so elegant, so well dressed, well spoken, and so generous with her time and her efforts. And then we cut her story sad, but she's to me, you know, uh, I mean, what an elegant, beautiful, graceful woman she was. Yeah. And, and you know, she, her life was cut short for sure. But we, we remember her for her grace the same way we do with Jackie Kennedy. Ex- uh-huh. Absolutely. <clears throat> yes. Uh, Jackie Kennedy is the epitome, the epitome of grace and elegance and uh, will be remembered forever. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I've been watching uh, some, you know, things on television and watching the protests and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking there's got to be a, a better way to do that because there was a day and this is something that really is a troubling idea there, my girlfriend worked at a hospital in Kentucky that was bo- actually built before the Civil War. And, at, and there were different institutions like it in America, but this one is a big one and still exists, a mental, hospital, a mental hospital. And a man could take his wife to this mental institution, maybe go with a maid, or somebody who would say, oh, yeah, I walked into the room and she was talking to herself, declare her insane and actually sign a death certificate. And she would go into that hospital where she would never get out again, right? To the rest of the world, she had a death certificate. So he could remarry and do whatever in our country, in our United States of America. This went down, and she and I said, what? two thousand over two thousand patients at this hospital with one doctor, all declared insane because their husbands or their family decided to put them there." 
Wow. And yeah, and that was like it. So that's like the 1850s. So uh, and then we've heard of you know Shakespeare wrote the Taming of the Shrew. There's uh, Jane Eyre where the woman was locked up in the tower. Right. Mm-hmm. She might have just been having a bad PMS. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, any of us that have ever been there understand that we can turn into another personality pretty easily if you have severe PMS, right? And well, so this is true, yeah. Right. So so they would turn in, into this, you know, into this screaming shrew. And what they would do back in those days is just put you away. Yep, we're just going to get mama's crazy. <laughs> we're just going to put her in that tower, right? And uh, that's the way that it was. Uh, lots of different things. I think that they actually... I think Angelie Jolie actually did a movie that was similar to that where they put her in a mental institution um, uh, back in those early days. So, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of women's issues. But again, at the end of the day, isn't it just if you want respect and appreciation, you know, be graceful, be uh, beautiful, at, I mean, spiritually beautiful, right? Yeah. These- well, I, I think, I think that's the, the, the main message that you get across and you get across it so beautifully. You do not preach it. You, oh. you, you teach it by example, which is, is to me phenomenal and something that, that truly I believe is lost on women today that, that being well-educated is, is wonderful. But if you think to, to the level of the mob, so to speak, it doesn't right. matter. Um, I, I, you know, I'm all for protesting and, you know, it, we have the right to do that. And, and I think it's wonderful that people do it, but, but there, there should be a sense of, of elegance to it. Right. Um, not right. that you, not that you dress up in high heels and you, you know, no, 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 no. But, but there is, you know, be intelligent. I mean, we all have the, the, the potential for being intelligent. Sure. Uh-huh. So use it. Right. Don't don't and 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 don't flaunt it and don't shove it at some down someone else's throat. But but the element of, um, you know, I was impressed with with what went on in Washington, the numbers of people, and in other states, you know, states and capitals around the world. Right. And and there are rights that that you know equal equal work and equal pay. There are there are areas where we still have a little bit of work to do, but we can't get the work done if we're in a mob. No. We can get the work done if we go about it intelligently. And right. having children stand on the side of streets with with profanities on signs right. showing them to cameras that doesn't yes. show that you're an adult. It doesn't show that you're intelligent. It doesn't no. show that you're a good parent. Um, no. <laughs> so, so, and, and, you know, I, 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 I feel strongly that there is a movement out there and I do believe that there are some very intelligent, um, elegant women that are a part of them. But, but if, if what you're trying to do is to, to gain greater, equality in in a society then you don't get it that way right you know we know and we've talked about this barbara that love is the strongest vibration in the in the universe love Mm -hmm. and 
especially appreciation and gratuity. And um, so think of different people on, you know, right now I'm just getting this clear, clear message. Remember Aunt B on on uh, Andy Griffith? I do, yeah. Okay, Aunt B. Ev- everybody loved Aunt B. <laughs> she always had a smile. She always had encouragement. She always had apple pie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an older, she wasn't, you know, what you'd call a sex symbol. She was a matronly Aunt B. But uh, I've, as the years have, you know, I'm a grandmother now myself. Uh-huh. And and uh, grandmothers don't look like they did, like the Aunt B. I mean, no. not not anymore. We, we we don't do that. The baby boomers said, no, we don't want to do that, right? Yeah. And and so we're we're not giving in to that granny look at all. But there's something to say about the wisdom, the comfort, the love, and most of all, the experienced woman who things that used to be important aren't important anymore. What's important is the legacy that we leave our children, other women. You know, and that's what Miss Pearl is. She's a mentor. And that's one of the reasons I wrote these books was because in my books there are mentors. Mm-hmm. And in the new in the new book, Ruby, her mentor is a woman named Consuelo that she meets on the stagecoach, right? Yes. And and so she is her mentor and she protects her. And you see that through the years or through the centuries that, you know, even if you want to get into a biblical story, the story of Ruth and Naomi, where uh, Naomi was her mother-in-law and her husband had died, but she took care of her. So women taking care of women is the theme of all of these books is don't compete. Uh, We need to encourage each other and mentor each other and, uh, encourage women to to be ladies <laughs> to be ladies and because you'll get much further if you come across as educated and graceful and I mean I, I know there's anger out there there's a lot of angry women and there's probably a right there's uh you know it's it's righteous they've got you know there's things that have happened to them and or things that they were made to do that they didn't want to do. I mean, I've been there several times in all, all aspects, things I didn't want to do. Uh-huh. And, and uh, at the, my own expense to make someone else happy, right? And, and I understand that. I completely understand that. But if you, in my opinion, if you want to really have, People listen to you and respect you, and we can do it in a um, by being ladies, by being women, by being the strength of the women. We don't need to compete with men. We're we're women. Why would you want? We're not. That's apples and oranges. Why? <laughs> why would you? Why would you? You know, you you don't compete with something that's not what you are. You uh-huh. can you can, and you don't even compete with each other. 
you do your part. What What is it that your strength is that you can share with another woman? And what is her strength? You well, know? And, and we've thrown a term around here that I really want to def- define because we, we've said education. They've been educated. They were educated. And I'm not, and, and, and we are not talking at all about you know, what level of school did you complete? You know, how many college courses, how many degrees do you have? No, right. Do not mean any of that. No, I mean, no. Being aware of, of where you are and who you are and what's going on around you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. News, newspapers, the, uh, you know, and the computer. I have to say that, that you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have an academic background that, 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 that was a good one. But, mm-hmm. but. Nothing that I learned in any of those degrees at all has been of any help or service to me in the last 20 years of my life. Sure. Absolutely. And everyone will tell you that that's in a job. Say, <laughs> what I learned at school, and, until you're hands on and you're really submerged in whatever it is you're doing. Absolutely. So, so self-education is the kind of education we're talking about. Taking the time to learn about something. Um, I, I've listened to a lot of people who, um, on you know, I, I've been I've been watching stuff that's been happening, and I've been watching the news, and I am um, I, I am overwhelmed at how little people know about what's going on. They right. haven't learned what's going on. Um, and, and, you know, they're calling people names and they don't even know what the names mean. They are quoting, they are saying, well, things are against the constitution and they've never read the constitution. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's, I I know it, it gets really ridiculous. And, and unfortunately for them, because they're putting out so much energy, uh, people who know better can't take them seriously. That's, you know, and go, Oh my gosh, just go away. They don't even, they don't make sense. So they, they just dismiss it. Right. Like what you're saying. Exactly. And uh, people are getting swept away by a movement. Sure. Absolutely. And and they haven't researched the movement. Well, not only that, but the kind of energy they're putting out is not going to serve. Uh, We, we learned thousands of years ago, Barbara, that war never works. War never works, ever. People only get hurt. And the issues are not being listened to. They're not being addressed because there's just so much anger and so much, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and you're right. It's, it's uh, I really believe that we have the opportunity to, Re, to refocus as um, and design our lives to be different. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and we have the power to do it too. A- absolutely. And, and so personally, uh, what I'm doing, you know, I just, in fact, I'm launching my brand new website on your show. Okay. This is the brand new website. I've been listening and watching and I'm thinking, what can I do to just try to make it better? What what can I do to make things better? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot of us are feeling hopeless. We're watching this. We're judging. Um, we don't understand why people do what they do, why they say what they say. 
you know, um, all this chaos going back, all of this back and forth stuff going on. What can Barbara do? What can, well, Barbara's doing the radio show. What I, what I'm, and, and talking about it, you know, and what I'm doing is I am convinced because I've seen it happen that we can absolutely heal the world with music, with beautiful music, with beautiful harmonic energy. We can evoke peace. I've heard story after story after story of how the music that I write has uh, helped in big projects. There was a a lawyer firm that played my music all the time when they had big cases. And one girl called me one day and she says, you know what? Since we've been playing your music, there's no arguing and fighting in the office like there was before. And no kidding. And, uh, you know, you go to a hospital and you're in a, a stress environment with people you know, coming into the ER and what do they have? They got the flipping news on, mm-hmm. you know, and all you see, I mean, when do you ever watch the news for more than 10 minutes where you haven't heard something just really raunchy going on, you know, something really negative going on. And that energy is being projected into an ER, um, you know, where people are, worried to death that their loved one on the other side of those big double doors isn't going to make it another hour. And you've got the news on, right? Mm-hmm. So I I started here in San Angelo. I have a show. It's on right now from 9 to midnight in uh, Central Time. They play beautiful ambient piano music with the intention of sedating the city of San Angelo. <laughs> and it is the most listened to radio show in the city. Well, I, I have to say that, that, uh, and your website is CynthiaProductions.com and, um, you can hear a lot of her music on there for free. Um, and I, I have, I have favorite, um, CDs that I have literally worn out because I love the music so much. Aww, and thank you. <laughs> it, it is peaceful. It is um, meditative. Um, I love the Celtic Garden CD. I just thank absolutely you. adore that one. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, the thing about that music that um, because I understand energy, when I perform those pieces, I submerged myself in what I would in a very strong love state. I put photos of my of people I loved all around the piano. I lit candles. I pretended uh, grandparents and people who'd passed were all there in the room with me, which they probably were. Guardian <laughs> angels, you know. I played for you know and just loved projected love when I went into a little bit of a trance and, you know, kind of an in-between place and just thought, well, when I play this music, I'll play it with love. Mm-hmm. And and if I play it with love, then whoever hears it, their soul will recognize that music because their soul, the soul always resonates to love because the soul is love, right? Because it's the soul is one with that which is only love. So I thought at least I'll get to their soul. 
maybe not to their mind, but to their soul. Their soul will recognize the music. And I can't tell you how many times I have gotten letters or comments from people that they, your music sounds like love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that, that is, and and it's a very, um, simple thing to do. And, and I know that I, I taught my, um, well, she was eight when I taught her. Um, I taught my eight-year-old granddaughter how to knit. Right. And and um, now understanding that, that um, my son and my daughter-in-law and, and the grandchildren are, are fundamental Christians. So what I do is, um, and, and I will give them full credit, they try very hard to understand what I do. My son once said to me, I don't know what you do, mom, but I know you do it well. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so but, but, you know, they have a belief system and, and they don't want, um, they, they, they want their children to be older. And I agree with them, uh, you know, until they understand what I do. They're not old enough to understand that. But mm-hmm. I was, I was talking to my granddaughter and I said, you know, you're doing this beautifully. You, you've learned it. Now, now do you want to know how to put magic into it? And I could see, I, I, I could see my my daughter in law kind of getting like, uh oh, what's she going to do now? There she goes to the magic, yeah. <laughs> and 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 my granddaughter said, yeah. How do I put magic into it? I said, okay. So, anytime you're knitting something for someone else, you think only pretty thoughts. You think loving thoughts. You mm-hmm. think beautiful thoughts and as you're as you're knitting those thoughts get knitted in along with the yarn so that when you give the gift to someone they will feel your love and 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 your joy i love that barbara how beautiful i love that and 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 jenna said well i i can do magic like that and i saw carol just you know kind of relax a little bit because you know i hadn't done anything strange but but it's true it's absolutely true it and it 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 sort of reminded me that when I'm knitting something for someone or if I'm making something for someone that I should really be a lot more cognizant of what where my mind is where my heart is because mm-hmm. I'm putting that energy into what I'm doing and there's a wonderful wonderful movie out there called like water for chocolate oh, okay Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's subtitled and it's Mexican, mm-hmm. but the and and it, it originally was a cookbook, okay. and it was made into a movie. And I I strongly urge everybody to watch it because in essence it talked about the love that people felt for one another and for themselves um, went into the food, and that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. trans that translated into how people felt about one another. It's an amazingly beautiful movie. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's not intellectual at all, mm-hmm. but, it, but it started out as a cookbook and then they made it into a movie and um, it's, it, it's old, mm-hmm. but it, it is just a delightful movie to watch. And, and, you know, you sit there and you giggle a lot here and there, but it, it, it's the same concept. And, and so, Absolutely, you can feel the love that you put into the music. Right. Well, my husband taught me that when I first got with him because his mother, uh, he said, when you you cook, you need to put the love into it, right? Mm -hmm. You can taste the love in home cooking. And all of us have, I think that's just the difference between going to uh, different restaurants. You can 
leave knowing when you feel like a chef uh-huh. um, and when you go to a real nice restaurant and there's a chef that takes a lot of pride in the way that he prepares the food, right? You can taste that versus something that's just kind of on an assembly line uh-huh. versus home cooking, right? And, and well, it's I think all- also, also though with music, um, especially right. – there are technicians and there are artists and you can tell right. the difference because you, you can, you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know, when I, when I play the piano, I play, I, I play, I, I see the tree that made the piano. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see the, the, the science or the, creativity that went into designing the piano and I see the harp and and because that's what a piano is it's the shape of a harp and then I think of the how harps have been the one of the main musical instruments for thousands and thousands of years and so I don't you know I I don't just sit down and play a piano with ivory keys on it I play music which to me is a universal uh, sound that has been that which, you know, um, expresses the emotion of the human being. And let's face it, folks, we're here for the drama. We contracted for it. You know, we were at some point, we understood that this was the place of, of yin and yang, black and white, dark and light, love and hate, uh, pain and beauty. I mean, we, we knew that. In fact, I'd like to tell you a little, real quick little thing. I have a wonderful uncle who I love and he likes to say that he's, you know, an agnostic or, you know, that he's a scientist and he just doesn't buy into any of that churchy stuff. Right. And, um, I understood that. So we were, we were talking about that and I said, he said, I just don't understand why a loving God would allow so much pain and hurt and illness and, you know, all of this evil that happens in the world. And, and I was listening to him because to me, it's really sad when you can't believe in love or you can't believe in the, that, that, that wonderful place, that higher consciousness that we can tap into any time to find joy and peace, you know, and love and serenity and, and the expression of our higher self, that you can't tap into that because you're too caught up in what you can see and what you experience on this plane, right? Uh-huh. And, and so... I asked him, I said, okay, you're a scientist. I said, um, would you agree that there's like trillions and trillions of galaxies out there? Or, you know, just trillions and trillions. And he goes, oh, yeah, we've, they pretty much figured out that it just goes on for a long, long time, that, <laughs> the universe. And I said, okay, great. I said, would you agree that maybe there's a planet out there kind of like this one, only on that planet? It's just perfect. The food is good. Everything is pristine. Everything is clean. Everybody loves each other. Everybody, 
uh, has plenty to eat, has a beautiful roof over their head, a nice place to live. There's no fighting at all. There's just this perfect harmonic existence with nature and beings much like ourselves. I said, would you agree that that's probably that that could exist somewhere? And he said, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think so. And he said, but because I don't understand, he, he's an eye doctor, and, and he says, I don't understand why God would allow a baby to have cancer, a three-month-old baby have cancer in their eyes, right? Uh-huh. And the look on his face, I, I just went, oh, wow. And I said, I, I looked at him and I said, man, in the medical profession, I can see where it would be really hard to understand, you know, you see three people come in from an accident, one is maimed for life, one doesn't survive, and one walks away, right? I, in, in the same accident. So, you, you know, you wonder who gets chosen for the bad stuff and all that, right? Uh-huh. And, and so I, I told him, I said, you didn't pick that other planet. You picked this one. Your soul wanted this experience, not that experience, right? Yeah. And, and when you choose this experience, I said, you, I said, you look for love and the way we find love is in the contrast. I said, you would not know what compassion is if you lived on that other planet. You would not have ever experienced compassion, but because of that baby that was brought to you with eye cancer, you experienced compassion. And that's what this existences that's what the human experience is is finding the love in the dark spots in the other and finding where is the love you know the compassion the prayer the you know uh my little godson was uh hit t-boned with a with a car i don't i'm sure you've seen that on i have it on my facebook and and i'll be doggone they said he would be a vegetable, and if he survived, he would never wake up. And that kid, I saw him last Friday, and he is talking. So, yes, folks, there are such things as miracles and uh, feeding healing energy to others. And, I mean, this he's the perfect example that when we all focus, I mean, really focus on an intention. And what's wrong with peace? As mm-hmm. an intention, you know, what can, what can each one of us do every day to, uh, to do something to promote peace in the world? Really? I mean, and we're not talking, you have, you don't have to go get, you know, you, you don't have to do extra, just say, just smile at people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's, that's a good place to start. Oh, Our, absolutely. And Cindy, we're getting close to the top of the hour. So, oh, okay. Okay. What, when the music starts, that's when we get about a three-minute three, three minute break, maybe five. Okay. okay. But, but you're absolutely right. We, we have chosen this. And there are ways of, of dealing with this and the energy and, and, and the situations we come in contact with and how we react to them determines a great deal, not only for us, but, but for the environment we live in as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's the... the great thing about writing these books is because I bring a different perspective and a different way of looking at for women to look at themselves and to really appreciate their strengths 
right? And the biggest, the biggest message is don't judge. Do not judge. Do not judge. Do not judge. And, (laughs) and like I said, I'm not, um, I'm not, and you said it yourself. Of course, these women that are out protesting all over the world, they have a right to do that. But are they really getting their message across the way they're doing it? Or maybe a different tactic of, of uh, singing, uh, singing beautiful songs together. I think that would have been really powerful to, you know, that there's nothing like the beauty of a female voice or women all singing together. Right? Oh, you're absolutely right. And so. It, it, it's it's sad because, you know, there definitely is a movement there. And, and it, it feels as though um, so many of the people that, that went to these protests truly and really um, were there for genuine reasons. Well, sure. And, 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 and you want to understand that. You want to understand that. Okay. We'll be back in three minutes. Okay. and we're back and we're back this is nightlight and if you like what you're hearing click over to the support page and make a donation to help us keep this amazing station up and running revolution radio at freedomslips.com is totally listener supported from the owner to the host to the producers, who we can't live without, to the staff, all are working here because we love the work and are dedicated to putting out quality material for all of you. Be it large or small, every donation is greatly appreciated and helps us all keep on supplying information and material to educate and hopefully enlighten you that isn't found elsewhere. So we are back. And and I really... The you know we we never script these shows you and I because we never know where spirit is going to lead us and yeah. I, you I know I I had a thought Barbara um, through the break that I wanted to share with you uh, sure. that completely illustrates what we're visiting about to, today and what was so funny you know we understand that there's love and there's ego and that's all there is. There's ego and love and one is fueled with love and one is fueled with fear. Right. And so when we go into ego, we're, we're in a place where, you know, where judgment happens, where fear is manifested, where anger is manifested and that's pure ego. And, but love still is the strongest of, of the two powers. 
I mean, ego doesn't hold a candle to love, right? So with that in mind, I signed a contract one time for 30 of my musical pieces that were supposed to, uh, it was a children's project. And I signed all of these songs over that I, to this publishing company, right? Well, in the publishing world, when you sign your songs over or your music over, uh, it's gone. (laughs) Not yours anymore. There's no such thing as divorce. Yes. (laughs) Bankruptcy. (laughs) No, it's over, right? So what had happened was I had been made different promises of things that were going to happen with this music and it never happened. And so I wanted my songs back because basically if anything happened with that music, then I would have to share anything with that publishing company and they were making zero effort to do anything. Not that they didn't like the music, but they weren't doing what they said they would. Uh Right. So I wanted my songs back and my husband, I wrote them a letter and my first line in the letter was, this is written to you in the spirit of love, right? And my husband looked at this letter that I wrote that said, um, and it basically said, I signed the contract because of good intentions that you made that I believe were going to be true for some reason that those things did not happen that you promised. I would, we were friends when I signed this contract, I would still like to be friends, but I'd like to have my songs back because it's obvious that you're not going to do anything with them. And this was, you know, probably three years after I signed the contract. So, I mean, there's plenty of time to do what they said that they were going to do and never made the first thing to do. Uh So, so my husband looked at that at that letter and said, "Are you kidding me? You think that you're going to get sick back? What in the spirit of love? This is written in the spirit of love." <laughs> and he's he's going on and on, friends. And I said, "He goes, no, they're not going to give you your music back. They don't have to. They're not going to." And about two months later. Because I did have another opportunity on the line, but I needed my music back. I I didn't want to share that opportunity with this publishing company that didn't do anything, right? Uh-huh. And I'll be doggone if they did not sign, write me a letter back and said that was the most beautiful, eloquent letter we have ever received. You can have your music back. Okay. Now, there is a really good example of what I'm talking about when you talk about the spirit of love. When you live in a world that is full of attorneys and people going to court, uh, angry, uh, pain, you know, that uh-huh. sometimes millions of dollars to attorneys that like to keep things rustled up and, you know, keep the fight going because they get more money. Um, You know, I never, I will say this is my third marriage. The other two never, ever saw a courtroom. Uh, We didn't have to. We, We didn't want to be married anymore. I said, what do you want? 
take half, you know, take what you mm -hmm. want. You know, we never had to do it that way. You don't have to do it that way. If you go to love and you can find those places that we can all agree, that's a good place to start. And it's also a great place to start the healing because I promise you, Barbara, I'll bet you anybody who's in pro who's protesting right now has got some kind of pain associated with uh, some type of, um, because it really is, uh, you know, um, pro-women, anti, you know, establishment, the male establishment, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's pain, there's pain. There's some deep pain that needs to be healed there. And well, there's anger, you know, and, and I think that's what got me. It was an angry protest. And when you, when you, and one of the most beautiful protests I have ever um, witnessed, and I wasn't there, but I saw it on TV, was when Martin Luther King did his speech of I Had a Dream. Oh, God, what a man, what a man. There, there was such love there. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing experience. And mm -hmm. everyone was touched by his sincerity and his love. And right. it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And there were, there were I don't know how many people were there, but I want to say millions, but probably not millions, but, but thousands. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's, it's amazing how the element of love unconditionally given can mm -hmm. can really change situations, but but you know, an unconditional is an, an amazingly important word because um, it means that there's no strings. There's you know, I it's not I'll love you if it's I love you. Yes, and and you don't see that kind of organization around the the protests that we witnessed during this last week. I mean, wonderful thing, fabulous. Fabulous organization and and organizing whoever did it, but but it feels to me as as though I listened to uh, when I was listening to people being interviewed that that not everyone was there for the same reason. No, you're exactly right. You're and you're and, exactly and, right. And I think that getting back to your books, your books tell have an amazing message. And and the, one of the messages, there were many, but one of the messages that came through was that no matter how bad or low your circumstances or situations are, that, that, that it is within your power to rise above them. Yes, yes. And, you, and, and nobody was blaming anybody. It was people, you know, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and, and, and making their life better in every way they possibly could. And that possibility and potential is out there for every single person on this globe at this moment in time. Right. And, and exactly. wisdom and, right. and learning and, and, um, and, and it's all stuff you can do by yourself you can go to a library and live there and, and almost right. <laughs> uh, you you right. can sit on the computer and you can research you can you can educate yourself i i really i can't tell you how many phd's i know that that are are, are the stupidest people that i've ever met <laughs> and and i've i've had um 
the good fortune in my life to have at least three men that, that were the most intelligent men that I ever, ever knew. Not one of them made it beyond ninth grade. But if you talked to them, you would think they were PhDs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that so that wisdom mm-hmm. is not measured by certificates on a wall. It's, it's measured by how much of you opened yourself to, how much of you allowed yourself to, to, to absorb from, from all of the, all of the wonderful sources that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just is, it's amazing. You, and you, you don't need yeah. school. And, no. and I was a school teacher for 25 years. Right. I think our school system sucks. <laughs> <laughs> how do you really feel, Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> If I had a child today, uh-huh. they would be homeschooled. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, you know, my dad designed an oil skimmer that cleaned up most of the oil in the Valdez spill in Alaska. And he was a, he didn't have the, what he called the sheepskin, right? Mm-hmm. But he was a, he has a brilliant mind, a brilliant mind. And, uh, and now my daughter, she works in corporate America and uh, many, but it also happened with, it happens, I think in both genders that somebody will have a brilliant idea and then somebody higher up will get credit for it. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens a lot. And uh, look at the and, windshield wiper. Tell me. Well, the guy that invented it, 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 it he sold it and never got the credit for it or never got money for it. And, you know, and he invented it. So, you know, a little research there might've helped a lot. (laughs) Right. And you know, it's funny about that because we were talking about music. Music is pretty much free now. I mean, ever since Napster and, um, and even books, you know, you give a book to somebody and they'll pass it around to 12 of their friends. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, so, and, and movies, I mean, you know, people are pirating movies all the time. Uh, I know of people who obtain music or movies because somebody gets up in the little room and puts on a video camera and videos the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, then they, and then they bootleg it, you know. So in today's day and age, digital, anything digital or, you know, like I said, books, um, you know, that's, it's free. So at one point, especially with my music, I had to let go of what I was going to get from it. And I instead focused on how people would benefit from it. So then it made everything okay. Right. And, um, and, and that's what you do. It's like you do this radio show because you have, uh, you know, you feel like you're adding to the, um, enlightening the world and you do a great job at what you're doing here i mean it's you bring on people and just your own personal insight god i love that knitting story i love that knitting story and 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 uh, let's go to that with women women that would you know there was a time when you could tell that story and somebody could take that and uh, embellish on it and and distort it to where they might be coming after you to put you on a stake, you know, and <laughs> and burn you because of the word magic, and the uh, because and that was all 
on fear, right? But mm-hmm. but when in my research, I learned that women were burned at the stake and accused of being witches because they were pretty much harvesting women that they felt had no value. In other words, if you weren't appropriative years, then really what, and you didn't have a man taking care of you, then you were really kind of a, you didn't, you had no value, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh, the word hag used to mean goddess. The word crone meant wisdom. And those words are, have net negative connotations now because of the times of the witch burning, they called them crones and hags. All it meant was a more mature woman, um, you know, a woman who had more years on her, we'll put it that way, more experienced mm-hmm. woman. And they would accuse them of, because you don't really hear of the young, beautiful witches being burned, right? Or when you hear of a witch, you think of an old hag, an old, ugly, mm-hmm. uh, old, but the word old, okay. Now, that didn't bother me so much in my 20s or my 30s. Started kind of bothering me in my 40s. <laughs> and then as the years started coming more, I went, wait a minute. We're not even going to say the O word, okay? I like, the, I like the word experienced. And that's kind of what this, this is what this book is, is the value. Because I've, I'm in the, uh, you know, I'm middle-aged and the other side of middle-aged now, right? Or right at middle-aged, you know, who knows how long old. Well, probably on the other side of middle age, going, you know, into the very golden years and thinking, you know, I really have much more value as Mm -hmm. spiritually, uh, as far as wisdom, experience, spiritually, than I did when I was in my 20s. I kind of look at that I'm, I'm past my golden and into my platinum years. Oh, that's nice. The platinum years, you know, the, the. And, oh, my gosh, so what, so now at this point of the game, what are we leaving, what's our legacy? What are we leaving behind? What is it that, you know, so in this book, Ruby, and one of the reasons, uh, one of the biggest messages of my book, Ruby, is everyone, what are you leaving behind for your, if you're 50 or over years or older, you know, then you're headed towards the other side of your middle age, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, what are you leaving for your children and grandchildren? Uh, are you, you know, granny left, Dennis's mother left uh, us a cookbook. That was nice. But what about the stories? What about the stories of your parents and grandparents that you could tell, right? So that you could share not only you, but, two generations that you remember, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, that can be passed on to three, four generations after you passed. Well, I'll tell you what I did. Tell me. Um, Has to be 10 years ago. I decided that um, my my son and daughter-in-law are successful in their careers. So um, giving them gifts of anything is is ridiculous. So I decided to give my son um, a box of memories. And so I sat down and I, I put on, I put on CDs, every family story I could remember. 
I found all the family letters and I, oh. I, I read all of them on two CDs. I found my grandparents' love letters. I wrote, I, I read them onto the CDs. Oh. I gave, I gave him a box of about 40 CDs full of memories that in my voice. Oh my God. What a beautiful gift. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. Oh my God. It, it was, it was fun to do. It really was. Well, sure. Oh my gosh. And the, but that's what the story of Ruby is. You know, there's mm-hmm. this, her mother's journal. She she doesn't have her mother anymore, but she has her mother's experience and her wisdom, right? And uh, and she reads it, and she reads it over and over and over again. And things that we don't understand when we're children about the love story of our parents or whatever, or how they met, or, mm-hmm. you, you know. So that was... The story of, and then of course the ruby necklace, which uh, that really you and I talked about that the um, <laughs> the power of coincidence, right? Yeah. No, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It really okay. is. Thanks. Now, uh, now, um, what's the next one? Sapphire. Okay. Does it deal with the same time frame? What it is, it's the uh, book. This was so interesting in Ruby. When I wrote Diamond, Ruby was a different character. In fact, I had to go back into Diamond and change a couple things because my idea was, uh, you know, I'm fascinated with Wyatt Earp. And then I, his. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I, he was in, I first discovered Wyatt Earp when I wrote Diamond because he became a movie consultant in his later years. And then I saw Tombstone and I went to Tombstone and really got a much better understanding of the Wild West, what the Wild West really meant. And so I wanted to write about that. And um, so... Uh, oh gosh, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, Wider. Yeah. So, oh, so Sapphire. Um, so, so Ruby was going to be one of the girls. He, and eventually he moved to San Diego and opened up a gambling place there during the land boom in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so, which is in the book. But Ruby was going to, there was a brothel upstairs in the stingery of San Diego, which was a red light district, and it was called the Golden Poppy, and Ruby was going to be one of the girls at the Golden Poppy, right? Before, when I went to go write the book, well, as I was writing the book, and we're talking about uh, Ruby's mother, Carlotta, and all that, and, and I went, hold it, hold it. So she's on a stagecoach and she's on her way to go meet Wyatt Earp. And um, her best friend is Josephine, who ends up being Wyatt Earp's wife in later years, right? Uh huh. And so she's in this stagecoach. And I'm not kidding you. It was kind of like that morning I told you about where I had all those women talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That <laughs> happened again. So all of a sudden, I go, so I'm, so I'm writing, I'm thinking, who's in that stagecoach with her, right? 
what's uh-huh. this, what's it look like? What's it smell like? And who's in the stagecoach with her? And I saw, and I mean, it was like, you know, like on TV, you'll see these fireworks going off and you see the stardust happening. And I just heard bells and whistles and music playing. And it just said Consuelo, right? And I went, mm-hmm. Consuelo? Who is Consuelo? And there was this most beautiful, elegant Hispanic woman sitting across from her. And her name's Consuelo. And I went, oh, my gosh, Ruby isn't a prostitute. She's not a prostitute. She's never going to be a prostitute because Consuelo's going to take her under her wing. Uh-huh. Right? And I went, oh, wow. This, because the care, it didn't make sense for her. The character was going in a completely different direction. You can see the switch in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely can because because she's on the stagecoach. She's going to be with Josephine, who was a prostitute. Right. Um and and you 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 can feel the switch. It's there. Yeah, yeah because you're going, Oh gosh, she's going into tombstone. Um most there were like three thousand prostitutes in tombstone, by the way. Uh because it was a land, it was a boom town and women came there to find husbands, you know, people um with the, you know, the silver mines, people were getting um, rich out there. And plus, you know, it was fun. These girls were, you know, getting away from home. A lot of, you know, in those days, women made $2 a week working in, in factories. In the 1880s and 90s, a lot of times they worked 80 and 90 hours a week to make that 2 to $3. Oh, it was wow. horrible. It was horrible. And men doing the same job, made twice that much. And if you w- had children at home, you weren't allowed to work in the factories unless your husband was a drunkard and wouldn't work. How do you like that? How do you like that? So wow. a lot so a lot of, I mean, I, when you start doing research, it'll blow you away. And, and so these, I mean, the the kind of stock that these women were, these uh, adventurous women that would come out to the West and find themselves in Tombstone and places like that, you know. And um, so I just, but then if you were mentored, wonder if another woman, an older woman with her wisdom and grace took you in and mentored you which is what Pearl did in Pearl, which, you know, Pearl and the Everlay sisters are both in uh, Diamond. And, of course, they mentor the actresses and they, you know, and they encourage. And then you have, in Ruby, you've got, you've got Consuelo who does the mentoring. So, uh, and they're not, and in each case, they're not related, which I think is interesting. These aren't mothers and aunts. These are women who meet the younger women and, and take them in because they, you know, and teach them self-esteem by having self-respect and keeping that mystery of, you know, being beautiful, but mysterious. Uh, That's the other thing, you know, thongs, come on, come on. You know, of course I wouldn't look great in a thong these days, but (laughs) (laughs) You know, was, it's, it's, you know, there how, was a time. 
yeah. you know how suddenly something pops into your mind? Right. Um, yeah. I, I had a pop in. Um, there's a book called 1,000 White Women, The Journals of Mary Dodd. And um, it's the story of during President Grant's um, administration. And it, it was um, the government um, talked a thousand white women into um, going in out west to intermarry among the Cheyenne Indians. Oh, wow. And it was called uh, Covert Controversial Brides for Indians program launched by Ulysses S. Grant. And it was in, intended to help assimilate the Indians into the white man's world. Wow. Oh, you know what I heard on those lines? That a lot of times the Native Americans like to capture women that were lactating because I guess they knew that because they died of, of disease, uh-huh. you know, that the babies would get the the nutrients from the mother, the white women. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, 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 I sent it. The story is fictional, but it is oh. written from the journals of women who took part in the program. So that was a real program. It was. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I sent you the. Oh, my gosh. A it's 1875. You might you might want to look into Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So they went out to marry Indians. <clears throat> they were sent out to marry Indians. Was, it, try- vo- was it volunteer? Yeah. And, and basically the intent was to um, integrate the, the Indians into the, into the white man's world. And what, what happened in many cases was that they, the white women liked the Indian ways better. Wow. Isn't that interesting? It was a great book. It was a great no, book. No kidding. Oh, wow. We have a colorful history. We, we really do. do. We really do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, but you know, I don't know about you, Barbara. I like it when a man holds the door for me. I like it when a man picks up the check. I like it when a man sends me flowers. I like it when a man gives me gifts, right? Oh, yeah. I like that. And I do things for, for the man. I, I like cooking. I, I like doing that. Now, um, it's funny how women are because... It's, I used to tell my husband before we got married, I used to say, I will be, I will marry you as long as you never turn me into a wife, right? Uh-huh. I will be your girlfriend, but not your wife. That means don't expect me, don't think it's my job to do these things. When I do domestic things for you, it's a gift. It's because uh-huh. I, it's a gift, not because I'm supposed to, right? Because that's my job. Uh uh-uh. uh, we don't do that. Uh uh-uh. uh. So, and I think that's that's what happens. You know, um, the uh, romance, the the beautiful thing that happens before people are married. Uh, it takes effort to keep that alive after marriage to keep the rom. Now, my parents have done a beautiful job of that. 
and they're both in their 80s now. Beautiful job of keeping the romance in their life. So I was raised with Romeo and Juliet, okay, that's <laughs> which was probably not healthy for me because I thought everybody was Well, like, it, you know, in every one of your books, uh-huh. there's a happy ending, and I oh, love that. Oh, thank I, you. I truly do. So, so just out of curiosity, how many gemstones do you plan on going through? Oh, well, Sapphire is the next one, and it will connect Ruby with Pearl. It will talk about how Mosella and the Everly sisters met in Nebraska. I loved Mosella. And for those of you that don't know who Mosella is, she was the... Um, she was the 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 um, the black maid, kind the black of black maid, the the Aunt Jemima, you know. I mean, kind of, but, but she, she well, actually, she's real. She's a mulatto, um, uh-huh. which means that she was black white. But now I will give you a little hint. Um, Mozilla has eyes like sapphires. They're ah, yeah, they're blue. They're they're deep blue. Which, you know, she was she was my favorite favorite character. Yes, and and have you ever seen a? Uh, I actually saw it on a television show. A black man with the most gorgeous blue eyes I've ever seen, and I went, oh, and that actually gave me the idea. I went, oh my gosh, Mozella has blue eyes just like that, and um, of course, you know, each of the gems has a significance. So Pearl is about here in San Angelo, we are the only place in the, the Concha River is the only place on the planet that produces a pink pearl in their oyster. Uh-huh. And, and the longer that, that little grain of salt is tossed around in the river, the more lustrous that pearl becomes, which is, we know that about pearls. The, uh-huh. the longer, you know, that they are in the shell, the prettier they are. So, I thought that was a nice metaphor for women, that the older that we get, the more value we have, you know, and as far as wisdom and spirituality especially. And then uh, Diamond was twinkle, twinkle, little star, like a diamond in the sky, Uh right? Which, um, so it's about stars and, and diamonds, right? And then Ruby was about the, you know, there's a little bit of wine, there's a story of wine in there. Uh-huh. It's Italy. It starts off in Italy. So you've got the ruby red wine. And you have uh, the necklace. And then you have the girl named Ruby. And then uh, Sapphire is the deep blue. The deep blue eyes of the, of the uh, woman who is a black and white mixture. And then also the darker the blue, the deeper the water in the ocean. We know that. Or in the sea or in a river. So if it's dark, it means it's deep. And so that book will be about the depth of the soul of a woman. You know, the the depth of um, and then the blue eyes. So that's that. And then Emerald, I wrote I've had the story of Emerald in my head for about 20 years. Um, wow! Because I wrote songs about it, I I had a story going on in my head, and Emerald. Uh, so Emerald's going to be basically the conversion of the Celts to the 
the Christian way of life and a lot of mysticism and understanding. And uh, in that conversion, you know, they had, uh, there was some really silly stuff that went on there. (laughs) But but, um, for those that didn't, you know, so, which is basically the story of King Arthur, by the way. That's the, the old religion meets the new religion. And the, wow. yeah, it's, it's Camelot. It's King Arthur. It's, um, there was in that conversion from the Celtic, from the Celts to the Christian. It's a very, very interesting story. They both in both religions or spiritual beliefs embrace the idea of mysticism. And that's why the Celts were able, they were able to convert them to Christianity. So, but, but then there were those that didn't want to let go of the old religion because, you know, um, uh, there was like what you're talking about. There was the magic, the understanding of earth mother. Uh, the Celts saw the divinity as female, right? Uh So, so, uh, so there was people who, there were people who didn't want to let go of that. And they call that the old religion, and then the new religion was the Christianity. So it's it's um, so that it'll be a story of the woman is of the old religion, and the man who falls in love with her is the is in is a Christian, right? Uh-huh. And, and uh, he has to be with her secretly because her kind are not, you know, we're being persecuted which was, you know, that was horrible. And uh, so that's going to be the the emerald. But then you realize that there's, that it was, that it's all the same. It's all the same. It's just spirituality and understanding the the beauty of creation and recognizing, I mean, it's all the same stuff. It is, and I think the, what, what is fabulous when, you know, as you read your books, you understand that that no matter what time frame um, right. women have have come through, there there are those that are able to transcend whatever difficulties happen, and they transcend them um, with 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 love, with wisdom, with with they 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 don't get dragged down or put down, but mm-hmm. they. They transcend whatever difficulties are imposed upon them, especially in Ruby. She's mm-hmm. she's you know about to be forced into a marriage that that is would would be a loveless marriage, only because her her father wanted um, needed to expand his his land because he, his grapes had caught a disease, and so they w- would have been penniless had she not brought you know greater wealth into the family through marriage her mother mm-hmm. went through the same situation mm-hmm. and and it's it's kind of like you know no matter what is going on in your life there are always ways to transcend whatever it is and and come out literally smelling like a rose and and it's it's a matter of love and it's a matter of faith and it's a matter of belief that that you know you are capable of it, and all of us are capable of it, no matter what the situation. Oh, absolutely. It, but in this day and age especially, you don't have to work for $2 in a factory. You know, you don't have to. I, I mean, the, the, when women 
women used to get beat up for going to school. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, they'd get beat up. Uh, the suffragettes, they used to get beat up. It was horrible. The Chinese used to kill the female babies. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, oh, they, yeah. females weren't worth anything. It was the men that, that they wanted. So the females were either sold into servitude or you know, killed. You know, it was so funny yesterday. <laughs> My husband and I were having this conversation. She says, and about men and women. And we were talking about, you know, the protests going on. And he, and he said, women need men. I said, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> not, 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 not these days. And he says, well, yes, you do. I said, for what? And he says, for procreation. I said, you know, uh, all the men, you can make, save maybe a thousand men and repopulate the earth. Mm. You, you, need, you need all the women. But, you know, a man, you know, just, you know. I don't know, heavy lifting sometimes, I mean, it comes in very handy. Yeah, in heavy lifting. I said, but but honestly, when you really think about the human race will thrive and survive if they're, if the men, the male population went down to a tenth of what it is right now. Um, it really could. And he kind of looked at me and I said, yeah, you know. So uh, that's the kind of power women have. And... Um, uh, we are the survive. In fact, the Native Americans knew that they saw the most valuable member of their tribe was the young girl, the young, the the uh, the child, the 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 female child was the most. She was the one that needed to be the m- most protected. So the mothers needed to be protected. So you know they would take care of the fe- yeah. So it was all about. And when there was a parade or if they were meeting with another tribe, they would put the young girls in front of them as they paraded up to symbolize that they came in peace. Right. Uh Uh, Which in Pearl, I tell that story, how they did that with a princess, right? They, they put her in front and she was shot here at Dove Creek. I mean, that's a real story. And Oh boy, those kickapoos, woohoo. They wiped out, all those soldiers because they shot, somebody shot her, you know? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but the, the, there's so much, Oh, you know, to be a woman is the, the instincts that we have naturally. Uh, you know, I could hear my children that, that, you know, when your son, you knew something, you better go check on them. And sure enough, Something was going on, you know, that voice that only a mother can hear. Uh-huh. Those, those instincts, those understandings, those feelings, those that phone call you make in the middle of the night saying, are you okay? And finding out that they're really not, you know. So uh-huh. uh, that's what women have. They, they have, the, being, I'm so proud, so happy that I'm a woman, but I cannot relate with, uh, women who who are angry and shriek and do vile things, you know. Well, what, what gets uh, me is, you know, if someone is yelling at you, you back away, you turn them off, you don't listen. Exactly. So, so the only way to get a point across is to quietly talk about it. Right. And, and I, I would, I, I, I just have, you know, I've noticed over the last 
couple of months that the people are were, were getting so angry and and mm-hmm. uh, tied mm-hmm. up in into the politics and that nobody so many people weren't even doing their research during their homework right. and then when they brought a fact to the table if someone wasn't listening they yelled and that mm-hmm. just doesn't Mm-mm. you know people shut down when you yell mm-hmm. if if a loud noise happens you cringe you flinch you shut down mm-hmm. and so, so I, I think talking about things is fabulous. Sharing information is is profound. I mean, right. challenging someone else's thoughts and then researching them and then adding to your own wealth of knowledge is wonderful. That's what we're supposed to do. But the right. yelling is just ridiculous. No, it, it it really is. And you know, getting back to Wyatt Earp, God, I had a crush on this guy. The more I did research, I said. Told my husband, I said, I got a crush on Wyatt Earp. Sorry. You ever Is seen it... a picture of him? Oh, yeah. He's got, he's intense. So when you read about him, you learn that he was very soft spoken and mm-hmm. very intense. And uh, now but... I got a question about since you've researched him so thoroughly in your book, mm-hmm. um, he, his wife that he was married to initially um, was an addict. Mm-hmm. And he would not leave her. He would not divorce her. It was that right. true, or was yes, yes. He would not. He would. He did not believe in divorce, and he never divorced her. He wouldn't give her a divorce, even though he and Josie had taken off together. He just didn't believe in it. And um, she had fallen in love with another man and asked him, and he wouldn't do it. That was interesting to me. I thought that was very interesting. Um, she was out of it most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Laudlum was that, what, you know, her name officer? was, yeah, no, her name was, what she was addicted to. Yeah, the laudanum. Uh, I think it's kind of a, I might be wrong on this, but I, I'm thinking it's kind of in the opium family. I think it's cocaine based, but I'm not sure. Right. Anyway, it, it was, it was what it was, you know, and um, people would, a lot of times the prostitutes would OD on this stuff, right? Because there was a lot of drugs and prostitution, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was real interesting that he wouldn't do that. He, he had a, and, and, it, and then I found out also that later on, Josephine turned out to be a real shrew. You know, she just, she was a feisty thing. Right. But he never left her. He was very I, I also learned that he um, he probably had a lot of affairs. You know, he yeah. he he he, he did. when she'd act up, he'd just go, whatever, you know, <laughs> and go do his thing. Uh, she was she turned out to be quite a gambler later on in life. But she was just a beauty, a, a real beauty. And I think a lot of the attraction he had for her also had to do with the fact that she was John Behan's woman, you know, because they were rivals, you know, so, and men will do that a little bit. They'll use a woman. She kind of worked both sides of the law. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she, she kind of did. Um, she's a, she was an interesting character and later on in life pretended none of that happened. You know, she wrote a book saying that none of it happened, but uh, then when you go and do research on her, you find it, you know, that there was a woman uh, <laughs> named Sadie <laughs> that, uh, 
and he called her Sadie. You know, one thing too that I thought was really interesting, by the way, that I want to mention that's in the books, is that the act- actresses, prostitutes, um, as and saloon girls were all categorized as the same uh, class of of women. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in other words, you didn't have to be sexually active to be uh, a classed in that thing. So basically, what that meant was you all in those days you had the elite, and then you had you know uh, the other class, and then you had poor people. So there were I think there there ended up being. It, there finally was a middle class that was kind of formed, but the elite, in other words, the elite, no matter how wealthy one of those actresses would become, and some of them became very, or a prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. They never, if you were an actress, you were never in the elite club. Deb, jo- Deb shared a wonderful title, Soiled Doves. Aha, uh-huh. yes. Soiled Doves. That's a great book. That I used that book, by the way, to get a feel. Thanks for sharing that, Deb. Uh, Soiled Doves was a, a good book to get a feel of the of prostitution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what that was. But the the actresses were considered it's kind of like in the King's Court, the gesture and the dancers and the entertainers and the, even the bards were there for entertainment. They would never be the king and the queen. Uh-huh. They, they were welcome, but they were never the king and the queen. So they always had that. So the elite always had a kind of a condescending. And, and they could never climb out. And they couldn't climb out right. So they they had a little bit of a condescending attitude. But they were all grouped in the same category. Actresses, saloon girls, and because they weren't wives. They weren't the respectable. The respectable women were the women that were home taking care of the children and the household. Those were the respectable women. The actresses and saloon girls, and, and they were allowed into places where men were wanted to be entertained, and they were not considered respectable, a respectable breed. But there was almost a little jealousy between the respectable women and those other groups of women because they were the ones with the freedom, right? Uh-huh. The, the, the other ones, you you have to stay home with the kids. 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 <laughs> that, that was their job. And, 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 and today then maybe the problem really is that we we have within us both of those women and, right. and trying to find a balance of the two of them in order to gain equal footing, so to speak. Right. 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 And, uh, yeah. So you have those two classes of women and so dang, if you do and dang, if you don't, you know, so why not do it? So that, but they were the ones with more freedom and it's, it's very interesting. And then, and then a lot of these boom towns, uh, had hardly any women in them at all, hardly any. And so sometimes these men would have dances, and if you were wearing the red, a red handkerchief, you were the woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, interesting. 
Yeah, interesting uh, dynamic there. So, but uh, so the so the women would come to these boom towns and looking for husbands, looking for you know uh, freedom from their you know they a lot of girls ran away. They wanted you know adventure. something adventure, and the wild west was full of it. Oh my gosh, you know so. We hear now all the time about drama queens. Uh-huh. You know, think think about it. When the soul uh, says, yes, I want that human experience, it's saying, yeah, give me the drama. Give me the drama, right? Uh-huh. I want the drama. And I asked, I asked somebody. Oh, oh are we we're out of time. Oh, Cindy, no. We're going to have to do this again. Thank you okay. so very much for being here tonight. Oh, I loved it. I always do. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Deb. DeLong, host of Nightlight Radio, inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey, exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material, covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between, including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment. Let Nightlight provide you with equal measure of light, love and laughter, insight, wisdom, and inspiration. Monday nights, 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio, at freedomslips.com.